This is just on the jaunty jams. Ready to rumble. Ready to rock and roll. Let's do it. Game on. So, Mr. <laughs> Drew Wild, welcome to Just On with Jonty James. Just On. Just <laughs> On with Jonty. Vibes. <laughs> um, so, this conversation is. Yeah, one that I wanted to have uh, for many reasons. First of all, the fact that we lived together for a while on the Gold Coast. I came across you through uh, a community here uh, at the Elevation Hub. Uh, we became good friends, we hung out, you invited me into your spare room in your apartment and then we got to live together and got to go through some pretty cool experiences and yeah, especially during the COVID times, got to bond. And throughout that time, I witnessed your your journey of uh, creating and elevating your life in many ways. First of all, uh, building a, you know, a, I'd say a very successful coaching business, uh, something that you had envisioned for a while and something that you'd been building up to for a while, uh, along with then creating a more scalable online program as well. And throughout that process as well, you, and this is something that I took a lot of inspiration from was, yeah, your utilization of other mentors and other people in your life that really supported you to be able to get you to where you are now. So for that, I'm really, really inspired by, and I'm really grateful for you know all the beautiful times we've been able to have together, this beautiful house that you've invited <laughs> me to multiple times now, and the space that we get to have. So mm, yeah, thank, thank you, you very much for allowing me the space to come here. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself uh, and share a little bit about, yeah, maybe how we met as well and how we came about from your from your lens? Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm Drew. I'm Drew Wild. Um, I cover all things addiction, trauma, codependency as an addiction, but I do a lot of work with relationships. Um, <clears throat> yeah, mostly trauma is really my sort of my passion and, and purpose is helping people really see the world through the lens of trauma and um, I'd love to just infiltrate that lens into many systems that are placed around this world mm. and with that that lens we can just start to see um, a lot of hurt and pain and suffering in this world through that through that lens of, of, of compassion and really mm. start to understand people at a greater depth rather than just seeing the surface symptomatic problems mm. we can start to understand why people are behaving the way they're behaving so that's kind of my passion my purpose <clears throat> um how we met how we came along yeah i remember hearing about you before i saw your face <laughs> <laughs> i think brandon has spoken a bit about this dude jaunty so like, yeah. this dude jaunty is uh, am i getting replaced as a best friend what's going on <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we, we met at the hub and obviously connected, being fellow Kiwis in the Goldie, just another Kiwi on the Goldie, and um, and just vibed, and yeah, had, had a room spare, and you were looking for someone to live, and um, yeah, I've always said, uh, you're like the dream housemate, <laughs> literally the dream housemate, so chill, so mellow, so easy, like there weren't many points of contention. I mean, living with anyone, there's always going to be a few. Yeah. But I felt like it was always usually pretty easily communicated and received. Mm. And um, yeah, it was really was like just a dream. It goes both ways. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But man, you know, like I think we've all had those experiences where you're like, what? Like, who am I living with? I don't even know this person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought I did. I thought yeah. I did. And then I like, really uh, didn't. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, no, it was an absolute pleasure. And obviously witnessing you as well and, and a lot of your growth and um, and uh, and your receptivity. That's what I really loved as well. Um, just as like open-minded receptivity and willingness to be like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll take that on board or I could like explore that. or 
and also what you've been creating behind the scenes. It's been fucking sick, bro. Ooh, epic. Thank From, you. From, like, working at Lolo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bro, like, I remember, like, I relate to, like, a lot of your story and my story. You know, when I moved over the Goldie, I was fucking running Uber Eats <laughs> on a scooter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just doing what Straight you had to up, do. Yeah, yeah, doing what I had to do. Like, I left yeah. a lot of financial security in New Zealand. And... um had income from an old business of mine, but like, you know, it wasn't a huge residual income coming in from that, but it was, it was something, better than nothing, it was paying my rent and mm-hmm. covering a few expenses, <clears throat> but I didn't have much for anything else, so yeah, but I was like, fuck, what the fuck am I doing? I was still trying to figure out my life, my plan, mm-hmm. this is talking like, you know, probably five years ago now, and um, yeah, I was like, what can I do that still gives me some sort of freedom, some sort of autonomy? Like where I can, you know, still grind on the side and, and, you know, figure out me and work on me and do me and choose me and still earn a little bit of cash. I was like, fucking Uber Eats. Yeah, boom. Always, anyone watching this, always tip your Uber driver. (laughs) They make nothing. Like fucking tippins, it sucks. Worst job in the world. I reckon if I added up, it would have been like $15 an hour. Yeah. Max. Max, you get to like you get to where you're going, and you have to wait for them to fucking make the meal. And you just be sitting in like it's a real patience test that one. Eh? Yeah, I can you imagine just be sitting there like festering, like yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So on my fifty cc scooter. Wow. So from Uber Eats to now, what are you? What have you created for yourself now in terms of business and and how you fund yourself from fifteen dollars an hour to? <laughs> yeah, I mean this is kind of the fruits of some of my labour right here. This beautiful house we're sitting in. Um, yeah, I mean externally, I could say, you know, it, it's um, I've got a. I've got a personal brand and I've got a company. So my personal brand is, is, is I do a lot of one-on-one coaching. That's sort of like my bread and butter. Um, so I'd say I've got to, you know, make a couple of hundred K a year doing that, which is fucking phenomenal. Mm. Um, like when I say that out loud, it's like, what the fuck? Holy it's shit. It's like it happened. <laughs> you did it. Holy shit. Um, and uh, And yeah, like, you know, a lot of the journey that you came on with me was when I was turning... So my flagship group program that I ran personally, just me for, yeah, probably about two or three years before I turned it into a partnership and a company. Um, it was sort of the journey that you came came through with me on. It was like I, I, I knew all the vision that I had and I knew what I wanted to create, which is basically just change the entire way this, is, this, this entire planet looks at views and treats addiction. And um, I knew that the program that I was already running, you know, had the, the foundations and the groundwork. And um, I really was. It was something that I do regularly. I do, I'm going to do it today, actually. Um, <clears throat> I do maybe monthly or every two months as I'll sit down and I write out, like, what I'm calling in. Mm. Just what I'm calling into my life. Um, in the near future, um, like I'm talking like in the next couple of months mm. or maybe the next six months, something like that. I don't push it out too much further than that. It's like a 90-day plan. Yeah, kind sort of. of. Yeah. It's, just, it's real rough. Like I just literally write out like, thank you universe for, and there might be like four dot points. Yeah. And it's usually something to do with my business, something to do with like maybe something I'm working on personally. At the moment I'm including, obviously I'm in a relationship now, I'm including like maybe something relational in that. And you know maybe something like sort of like financial in that, and um, yeah, where I was going with that was was one of the things that I was calling in was was business partners. Mm. Like I see so many amazing people on the Gold Coast, particularly that have created some incredible movements and, and businesses and companies, and just these collaborations of people that have come together. And I'm like, fuck that looks because I've done I did so much of this like on my own. Mm. And um, yeah, it's, it really puts a, quite a lot of weight and responsibility on your own shoulders to carry a lot of these this, this mission, this passion, this purpose. Um, yes, I saw people like you know when men's medicine was men's medicine, and it was like Wah and and um, and Leno and and people like you and and um, Alon and you know Ryan and Road and Call to Be Conscious like things like that mm. and my friends Alan Ella who run um, Enlighten Co and I was just like fuck that looks like so it just looks like it looks like 
so much more fun than doing it by yourself. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was just calling in, like, calling in. I was like, cool, I really would like some business partners. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> with the group program, when it, as I ran it, as it stood back then, um, it was a six-week program, and I would just reach out to my community. I'd bring in guest coaches mm-hmm. all the time. Some really phenomenal, amazing guest coaches I've had throughout the process. And um, yeah, this was, I think this was one of the last times I ran it on my own. And I was like, fuck, who's left? Like, who have I got left up my sleeve to bring into this space? And I was like, click. I was like, oh, there are these two men, Matt and Ryan, who I truly believe are, uh, you know, some of Australia's leading um, addiction and trauma experts in the field. And I had a, a, a you know, a loose sort of vague connection with them Ryan and I had connected like maybe a few years before um, but not intimately like we weren't in touch I'd never met them in person like we'd never really had much more than like a single conversation but I followed their work and um, I was like oh Matt and Ryan so I brought them onto this call and just the way they articulate um, the quite like comprehensive or the quite dense to understand or the quite clinical way that a lot of people can get trapped in communicating you know some of these these more comprehensive you know concepts and theories they're, they're just they just make it so human like that a five-year-old yeah, could understand exactly and um you could just see everyone on the call there's like light bulbs going <laughs> off it's like, oh my god this all makes so much fucking sense like i teach a lot from like embodiment and practice mm. and because that's how i learn that's how i absorb information mm. is through practice through the doing mm. and so i don't necessarily need people to tell me what's kind of going on comprehensively or actually going on you know like the science behind yeah, it because i just kind just of live it. through the experience mm. and that's how i love to learn and um but I forget that, you know, some people really froth the, you know, the understanding the like what's going on through the process, yeah. you know, really getting, you know, the, the comprehensive head experience, mind experience of what's also going on through the embodiment. And so that's where, like, our worlds collide so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we got off this call and, um, <clears throat> yeah, Matt messaged me straight after. He's like, bro, why haven't we fucking created anything together? And I was like, just get on a Zoom. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, just straight away. Pitched him the whole vision yeah. of what I wanted to see. My my program was called Lie in the Sand. And um, and they were in instantly. They were like, fuck, let's do this. Like, if you'll have me, us, yeah. like, let's go. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'll look up to you guys. <laughs> um so yeah it it was amazing so they came on board and yeah we spent damn near like yeah while we're living together damn near 18 months putting this all together putting the company Mm -hmm. together curating the program um yeah really making sure that this is exactly what we needed when we needed it what wasn't yeah i guess you know a lot of what all we're doing a lot of us are doing is just like yeah for ourselves is like creating what we needed at the time that we needed it the most it was it just didn't exist Mm. filling that void that uh (laughs) so to speak um yeah that that um that we 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 know can create real lasting sustainable change and that's really important to us so yeah, over the last 18 months has been creating, <laughs> turning Lion Sand into a company, creating the program, curating the program, launching the program, which we did recently. And um, yeah, so that, that's, that's been wow. the other part of my, uh, I guess, yeah, business. Wow. For the last couple of years now. So fucking, yeah, it's loving it. The first cohort's actually coming to completion this week. That mm. there, uh, it's, well, it's a 12-month program, but we give them a two-week intermission just to, like, really integrate. So it's 14 weeks in yeah. total. And, um, yeah, they're coming up to the end of the original 12 weeks of content, at least. Yeah. And the feedback coming through is, is phenomenal. Cool. Phenomenal. Wow. Like, the shifts and changes I've felt in them is it's mind-blowing. Mm. Yeah, just the, the level of contentment and peace that these people have found um is so beautiful to witness and that that's yeah that's really our intent cool um 
so yeah, like I've said, externally, businesses, <coughs> fucking houses, cars, yeah. fucking, you know, jet skis, yeah. whatever. Like, the things that you wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, things that I, you know, yeah, I'm as not a teenager, you were like, yeah, that's what well, I want. Well, that's it, man. Like, you know, I'm not hugely like materialistic, but I like having fun. I like having, I like enjoying fucking bougie things. I like having choice. Like, I call money like units of choice. Like, mm. I like being able to just be able to walk through the mall and be like, oh, fuck, yeah, cool. That looks dope. I like that. And I can just say fucking yes. Mm. Like, to be in that position now is fucking insane. Like I took my little cousin shopping on, um, <clears throat> she's just moved over here. I took her shopping on, must have been Sunday. And she's only like 20, 21, yeah. you know. And I took her to the mall and I needed to do a few things. And she just came with me. And I was like, Wallace, what do you want? Like not what you need. What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> you know, to be able to do shit like that is yeah. fucking cool. She's like, I really want some fucking new shoes. It's <laughs> sick. She's like, yeah, look at these. Yeah, these like Air Force Ones on. They're like pretty grungy. Yeah. <laughs> like probably used to be white. Look yeah. a bit grey. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, cool, we're going to go buy some yeah, new like, kicks. Yeah, so go buy some new kicks. <laughs> and to just be able to like, you know, not have to check the back balance or like check mm. if that's like something I can even do. Yeah, you're likely to And to feel, that. yeah, like really open to being able to do that. That it's abundance like flowing through your life. Cool. Yeah, and so I think the coolest thing, man, is like all of that aside, you know, take that all away. It, it doesn't change how I feel about myself and who I am. Mm. And I think that's probably what you've witnessed is, is yeah, just my devotion to myself. Mm. And I don't get it right all the time, but you know, I consistently choose to grow, I choose to invest in myself, mm. I choose to explore me mm. and continuously invest back into myself. And that's something I've always done consistently for probably the last seven or eight years. Yeah. Is, yeah, just want to fucking learn more about me mm. and find that, like I sort of spoke about just before, that level of, <clears throat> you know, from where I came from was someone that was so anxious um i just call it contorted like could just feel this so twisted tension within me this mm. dis-ease this discomfort this <clears throat> um just deep-seated wounding like obviously i wouldn't have even used those words at the time when i understood <laughs> yeah. what they fucking meant what? but like just this like this lack of peace this like disturbance mm. <clears throat> this not enoughness like consistently needing and seeking approval and validation and love from outside of myself mm. consistently looking for everything to feed myself from outside of me it's mm. kind of the definition of addiction you know it's like looking to something outside of self to fill these voids that we feel within what do you think the root of that suffering was or the where do you think the root of that suffering comes from <laughs> I can tell you exactly where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then how would you apply that also to other people's experience as well? Like from your perspective, where did the root of that suffering come from? And then how do you, where do you think the root of suffering for other people comes? So if you could apply that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can easily go down that path. It's, it's, yeah, I love that. It's, um, for me, I mean, it's, it's trauma. Like, let's just uh, just throw that yeah. word out there. But, you know, let's... What do you define as trauma yeah, so as trauma well? Yeah, trauma is, is um, <clears throat> you know, I guess, you know, what society deems trauma to be is, you know, can be, you know, what, what, we, would what we would call in a clinical sense acute trauma. Mm. So acute trauma is... Um, you know, obviously, like, you know, pretty catastrophic events where there's genuine threats to your life, perceived mm. threats to your life, ultimately. Mm. You know, things like sexual abuse, uh, physical abuse, um, you know, living in war-torn countries, really impoverished neighborhoods. Car things crash. like this. Yeah, 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 car crashes, things like this, things where there's, like, you know, real genuine threat to your life. Basically, your body goes into some form of a survival response. Mm -hmm. um, and these loops, well, for some people, these loops don't close. Mm. The survival response never comes to completion. It's, and it's, it's in stored it. in the body. Mm. And so that's why we say trauma isn't what happened to you, it's what happened inside of you as a result of what happened to you. Mm. Um, Your response to the stimulus. 
or lack thereof. Yeah, actually, lack of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's the um, yeah, this inability. Because again, we're not taught these things. We're not taught how to, you know, regulate the nervous system. We're not taught how to bring the nervous system into a state of of you know maybe you know rest and digest after these these traumatic experiences. <clears throat> um, or we're living in continuous states of stress throughout our life that we don't even recognize it as trauma, which mm. I'll sort of get to. But um, yeah, like I give the example of like you see at a nature all the time, like you sort of say the, the lion chasing the antelope, you know, actually like nine times out of 10, the antelope gets away. Mm. And you'll see, you know, it goes, oh, fuck lion, like instant survival response, yeah. like flight, run, get, get, get out of here, Bold. get the scene. Yeah. <laughs> but if you watch videos, you'll see them if they like get away, you know, lion gives up gets tired is like fuck that <laughs> so the antelope just starts shaking like shaking's a really good way to to regulate the nervous system mm. um and yeah it just starts shaking so it's naturally moving and shaking this energy out yeah. that it's had as a result of this like survival instinctual response mm. to live um humans unfortunately don't do this <laughs> we're not taught this we're not shown this in any way shape or form yeah. And so we have a lot, many, many, many events um, throughout our lifetime that, yeah, just continuously get stored and stored and stored and stored and trapped in our body. And they can create, you know, all sorts of, you know, symptomatic problems down the line. But um, so, yeah, there is acute trauma and that's very real. And unfortunately, many, 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 many people have experienced and been a, a victim to, um, uh, you know, really acute traumas and, and something I'm really passionate about talking about and what was more my experience was what I called developmental trauma. There's, mm. you know, there's generational trauma, which is, you know, ultimately just passed down. conditioning passed on. There's, you know, um, collective trauma, which yeah. is, you know, just collective narratives, collective conditioning, things like that. Um, uh, yeah, but, you know, the, the two main uh, people, like uh, what we're usually susceptible to is acute and developmental. Um, and developmental is what I might had much more of an experience with, which is, and this is why it's, it's way more nuanced and subtle and difficult to identify <laughs> because it's not so much what happened to you, it's what didn't happen to you. Mm. So this is all, all, most trauma is predominantly our first seven years of life. It's childhood developmental trauma. Yeah, we're in that hypnotic state almost. We're just absorbing well, everything. Well, yeah, well, at, <clears throat> now, at, they, there's lines of thought that it's actually your first three years. Some say first seven years. Whatever they call them, you're... Um, uh, you're like a sponge, basically, right? Now, but, yeah, your formative years. Yeah. You're, um, yeah, you are a sponge. You're a feeler. You're the ultimate mm. feeler. And you have to be because you can't yet regulate your own nervous system. Mm. You can only regulate to the nervous system of your primary caregivers, and that's mm. primarily a mother. Mm. Um, so developmental trauma is is you know it's just not getting your your basic needs met in the way that you needed them met mm. as a child, not how mum or dad thought you needed them met how you truly needed them met, what you needed um, at, at that time and the way that you needed it. And unfortunately, um, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of parents are completely unaware and oblivious to, to this. And they don't, they're never intentionally of creating a lot of this, but they're unconsciously just passing on their own patterns, their own yeah. neuroses, their own yeah. conditioning, <laughs> yeah. their own upbringing. Doing what they learn. Yeah, they either do the same or they're doing the complete flip and the opposite, and that yeah. can have just as much of an effect, right? <clears throat> so from my personal experience was um, growing up, basically <clears throat> yeah long story short mum was 40 when she had me she had had two miscarriages before me um and i've done this in process like i've gone back to like literally like in the womb feeling her fear mm. like her like need like, i need this is it need like, this is child. my last shot yeah like it like, almost I, survival it's not you like it's then, then I'm, I'm not going to have kids, basically. Yeah. And so, again, whether she's consciously emitting that yeah. energy, frequency, whatever the fuck you want to yeah. call it, stress, um, I'm still feeling it. 
Yeah. So this shit can even take happen on in the all world. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. feeling it, feeling yeah. it, feeling you're it. Connect, literally physically connected Amesh. to her. Yeah, yeah completely enmeshed with her mum. <laughs> Not just energetically, but physically <laughs> yeah. connected. And so <clears throat> we can't separate what's theirs from what's ours at that age. Mm. So I couldn't separate what was mine from what was hers. So I'm feeling all this, and I'm again already from that before I was even born. I'm making this mean something about myself. Mm. Unconsciously making this mean something about myself. And so I'm feeling this energy consistently and I felt this all through my childhood was like this, I need you, was basically like the essence of the energy. Mm. I need you, X, Y, Z. So it's like, ultimately what I was experiencing for a lot of my childhood was the definition of conditional love. Mm. <laughs> I need mm. you to be something other than yourself yeah. in order for me to love you. Yeah, and, and to feel loved and as to well. to feel loved. Yeah. Yeah. And so and that showed up ruthlessly throughout the rest of my life if you want to like you know mirror and see your wounds on a deeper level like just just look at your relationships look at your intimate relationships mm. we unconsciously will repeat and recreate the same attachment that we had created to our primary caregivers mm. um and so yeah for me what that looked like was basically looking for like love approval validation from everyone else mm. and so i would consistently find myself in relationships um with yeah with the woman that would like keep me at arm's distance or the woman that would be like a maybe or the woman that would be like you know yeah i would be with you but you have to be x y and z mm. i'm like oh as much as i hated it yeah you know consciously unconsciously there's a part of me going oh this feels familiar yeah this feels and just like buying and buying oh, into this. it yeah. yeah it's like oh yes ah oh, mummy yeah. <laughs> yeah, some part like of you just loving it 100% there is yeah and again it's so much of this for so many people it's so unconscious they're so unaware of it they don't see it until you, you know you start doing this kind of work and exploring it shit so that was like that was what I would say like the core of it was was deep seated you know like I could feel her stress her pain I I have heard a little bit of you know maybe some of her story of when I was born like she wasn't as supportive as I believe she probably would have liked to have been mm. family was in different cities so just just general stress dad would have been working a lot mm. probably felt quite alone isolated yeah you know first time being a fucking mom that brings mm. stress you know all these things and so I'm feeling 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 i'm absorbing soaking up all of mm. this so if she's dysregulated guess what i am mm, of From course pretty much the day i'm born and then you're I'm gonna try and please her right and then yeah i'm figuring out how to fucking please her i'm contorting away from my authentic self every yeah. time i do that mm. i'm i'm moving away from who i'm just innately meant to be mm. um <clears throat> and that's what we call conditioning and that's developed the the sort of path of developmental trauma and so I guess where I was going with the whole dysregulation is that I explained it, you know, that discomfort, that consistently mm. just feeling uneasy, feeling unloved, feeling, you know, just tight, yeah. anxious. So that whatever that whatever you did was never going to be enough to, to hit this perceived <laughs> subconscious level yeah. that your mum was holding. Not ever. And yeah. um, so it was like no wonder, you know, at a young age I would... I, I remember just disassociating like I'd, I'd escape into like I was an only child obviously so I like disassociate and just kind of like find myself in like wormholes of let's say like Lego yeah or like Game Boy or mm. like gaming or porn was probably my first like addiction yeah if you want to frame it as such as like <laughs> yeah. unhealthy habit mm. um, because I found so much peace and solace and like for me it was never that like like ejaculation wasn't the goal it was like i could just find this it's like void. a sense of safety almost nothing else existed yeah and so i found in that a sense of peace yeah and and regulation mm. and so this is what we, where addiction comes into this whole path and narrative is that any addiction distraction you know my narrative i like i don't differentiate between the two i think they're synonymous i think mm. they're the same like every single human on this pit planet has a coping mechanism yeah and you know there's just different stages and levels we take these things to 
and I happened to be one of the ones that yeah took it to like fucking stage ten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like started with you know probably porn and then smoke. I smoked heaps of weed as a kid. Again, smoking weed, I was like, oh <sighs> shit, oh oh, <sighs> I feel relaxed. I feel at ease. I feel at peace. Yeah. I don't know this at the time. I'm not saying this to myself. Yeah, yeah. But if I look back, I'm like, holy shit, I feel relaxed. Yeah, your like, nervous system's going. My whole nervous system's like, ugh. I feel like wound up. Yeah. <laughs> it's no like fear, like walking on eggshells, you know? It's like, no wonder I fucking love smoking weed. Yeah. And then I fucking start drinking. Have a drink. Wow, what does that do to me? Holy shit, this fucking really chills me out. Yeah. And, um,. So yeah, that just, you know, I was still like, I'd say my, my teenage years were like, would have been no different to your teenage years. Mm. You know, we've had these conversations. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> pretty, you know, that's just kind of what my like social peer groups did. Kiwi culture smoke, yeah, pretty much. Drinking smoke culture, weed, same drink. Yeah, smoke weed, drink on the weekend. Starting ecstasy yeah. and <laughs> figure out what else is out there. <laughs> yeah. And that was, you know, through high school, you know, I was didn't do the shit sort of midweek but weekends was like game on um and then university would be more regularly yeah you follow the university would be like uni. wednesday nights out thursday nights out friday nights out saturday nights out and then like you said like recreational drugs like ecstasy definitely was like pretty predominant and then it started turning into like sundays and then fucking sometimes it'd be going on a fucking monday <laughs> still awake on a monday <laughs> And um, again, I was, you know, I wasn't completely, I didn't fully stand out from a lot of my peer group, but I was definitely one that was like, took things a bit further than most. Right, yeah. Or like was the one that, you know, maybe caused a little bit more chaos than the rest or was passed out way earlier than everybody right. else. <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah. Take it too far or go too fast too quick. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, very regularly was the one that was like KO'd by like 2pm. On the couch, you yeah. finished a crate of beer. Yeah, people have only just fucking starting. I was like, I've already been going for fucking four hours. <laughs> um, but it was just that, I was just looking for the excuse. Mm. And it really got worse when I um, broke up with my like first long-term girlfriend. Again, like this is just an expression of like not knowing how to process my feelings, my emotions, my mm. like hurt, my pain. You see, mention the word suffering. Mm. Yes, that that's all of it. Like, you know, just just hurt, pain, mm. heartache, heartbreak. Well, I think that takes you know a lot of a lot of men out. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it takes them down that path of, of you know, substance abuse or, or addiction or, you know, unfortunately suicide. Because heartache, um, so heartbreak prevalent. could be like almost felt the same as if your mother was leaving you to some guys, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I'd can, say so. Like, if, again, completely unconsciously, but, you know, just, just, it's just matters of the heart full stop. Just fucking <laughs> hurt. You know, you really love someone. You really care about them. But that age, you know, again, we're not taught how to just be in a relationship. Yeah. What that even fucking means. Communication. Like, oh, communication. Honesty. Truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like vulnerability, like just how to like show the fuck up. How to, yeah, commun I'd say communication is the key mm. to any successful relationship and having that willingness to, yeah, really like stand in some things that may feel really fucking uncomfortable mm. and it's still a practice of mine but yeah. you know, I'm getting a lot better there yeah. but yeah 100% like you know I was like what 19, 20 when we split and um, yeah it just fucking hurt yeah, but I didn't know what to do it hurt and then it knocked me the fuck out and um, yeah I was pretty depressed um, if I wasn't bare like that if I didn't have my face buried in a book that was a real escape for me was reading yeah <clears throat> um, yeah, I'd be out fucking partying. I'd just be on the piss. From books to bars. Yeah, books to bars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much, man. I'd just be, yeah, I'd be, um, yeah, partying, drinking a lot, um, taking a lot of drugs and, and trying to sleep with as many women as I could just to, like, fill this, this hole. To feel, feel better. Good enough. Better, yeah, good enough. Wow. And um, that slowly led to literally me, like, fucking living in my car. Driving from like, yeah, liquor store to liquor store, dealer to dealer, just doing anything I could just to like stay lit. Just, well, yeah, keep my pain at bay, yeah. basically. 
so just anesthetize myself mm, wow um, yeah i wanted a obl- 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 oblivion i wanted nothingness just complete void if void there was blackout, absolute blackout if there was one thing that you could teach that version of yourself now to regulate themselves what would that be <laughs> I always get asked this question, eh, and I'm like, I don't, like, as much as it's all, like, fucking fluffy to be like, what would you go back and say to that person? Yeah, like, like, or if there was what one, would you teach them? If there was I'm one like, tool that that person could utilize. I don't think I, that person person would listen to anything. <laughs> I kind of thought that when I was about to answer that question. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. Like, a million people tried to help me. Yeah. You know, a hard ton of people tried to tell me that, you know, I needed help. I needed mm. to do something. I needed this. I needed that. I was like, no, no all I need is my fucking best friend, which is my bottle of vodka right here yeah. in my hand. Yeah. That's what I fucking need. Yeah. Don't tell me how to fucking breathe. Don't tell me how to fucking, <laughs> you know, that I need to fucking meditate or whatever. Like, get fucked. Like, yeah. This is what I need. That closed this is all off. I know, 100%. Yeah. What was the turning point for you? Um, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was fucking a few. I... <laughs> There was one, I mean, that, that living in my car, I was like 21. Um, my dad randomly found me. Yeah, again, long story short, dad randomly found me. Um, uh, and yeah, they had they had been in touch with like some of their mates that had gone through similar things that had, like were in recovery, if you want to call it that. And um, near the sort of process, and so they already had a rehab and shit like ready to rumble but they also knew from having conversations with these people that like, I needed to want it mm. and so dad found me put me up brought me home and they sat me down and they said like do you want help that was literally I'm pretty sure the only words that came out of their mouth do you want help yeah do you want help and I was like fuck yes please I don't know out of the, I don't know way out of this mm. I don't know anything about addiction I've never experienced like I was like what you know I thought addiction was just that homeless bum sitting on the fucking yeah. side of the street someone's shooting up heroin yeah, yeah. you know whatever shooting with a needle something like that which actually evidently was me you know <laughs> yeah, just in another form yeah it's just in another form um so yeah really quickly ended up in rehab it was like like 21 22 something like that that was amazing it was like fucking the first time i got to like sort of take a look under the hood mm. and really understand a bit more about myself not heaps but like start to at least sort of inquire as to like what's going on here yeah but again like for me um there were a lot of questions that people couldn't answer like i've always just uh, questioned everything it's just part of who i tell am tell me more <laughs> yeah like, i just question shit why the fuck are we doing uh, this yeah. <laughs> i'm like you know like what what do you mean i have a disease for which there's no known cure like that doesn't sound right <laughs> it was, it was just straight up i was just like why i was always asking why like why me why am i here yeah why me yeah. why 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 yeah you can see some of these counselors actually can kind of be pissed off with me because i think what what i now see in them was actually their own lack of understanding to answer that question mm. and their own inability to actually understand the depth of addiction and so they're just kind of regurgitating what they've been told and a lot of at that time the the, the, the general consensus um in, in treating addiction was that it was a disease mm. You had a disease. There's something. You just got a disease for which there's no known cure, and we're just going to give you tools to manage the disease, basically. Yeah. Like, and so I was like, oh, like, but you know, like, fuck, I'm still like 21, 22. I'm like, I'll do whatever the fuck you tell me to do. Mm. Like, you know, my way's not working. Yeah. So, hey, I'll, I'll give this a crack. Mm. And I did. I gave it a crack for. A, I mean, and I gave it a good nudge for maybe a year, but again, I was still 21, 22. Yeah. You know? Still like, was wild spirit yeah, inside Yeah, yeah, 100%. I'm, all my friends were still out partying hard. Um, and so it didn't last long. I ended up back. Um, I was working for um, in the radio industry for George FM, as you would know. Yeah. George FM New Zealand is pretty like party. That's like the party <laughs> radio station. Yeah. Sort of. um, you're doing a lot of their like... Um, promotions and sponsorship work and and helping run a lot of the gigs and stuff that we put on and so like yeah my world was like literally orientated around like partying basically good way to to get back into it yeah so i got back into it shit wasn't completely out of control it was sort of manageable at this point it also developed a valium addiction 
diazepam addiction. So because uh, that was um, that was pharmaceutical. Like, yeah, well, that like was what I was prescribed put on at the rehab. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I was given a cocktail of yeah. medications at the yeah. rehab. I was put on uh, antipsychotics, antidepressants, benzos, and some other thing that I never actually knew what it ever really did. Okay, let's um, just block the symptoms more. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, so I was like highly medicated and drinking and drugging yeah. over the top of all of these meds or just forgetting to take them. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but I think the Valium actually extended a lot of my drinking and, and drug use because they use it as um, that's how they help people detox off alcohol. Mm. So, um Again, without going too deep, basically it just hits the same receptor. So it helps. Alcohol is actually one of the most dangerous substances to come to off. To come off if you're a full alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can go into like what they call like full DTs and seizures and you can die. Yeah. And Because um, such a physical dependence. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the withdrawals are pretty ruthless. So um, yeah, they, they help with this 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 medication that hits the same receptors and you do, you go down like this like a week of a taper mm. basically off this these meds. But when I had them for the first time, I was like, oh, shit, I oh, feel great. Oh, shit. Yeah, this is even weird. better than fucking booze. <laughs> like, fuck, this is the shit. Fuck smoking weed or yeah, drinking. Like, let's just take some Valiums. Just pop a couple of fucking pills. <laughs> and so, yeah, on top of starting to drink again, I had a prescription and I knew how to twist all the doctor's arms into yeah. giving me these prescriptions. I knew yeah, all the right, all things, the right to say. things to fucking say. You know how to basically manipulate these these GPs. Like, you know, they knew I had a drinking problem. I'm like, well, what would you rather me drink or just take a few pills? You know, like they're like reluctantly like give me scripts. Boom. There's a script I'd for the next six to months. Lose, you know, lose so many, lose all these lose scripts. The script. Go get another one. Like, Can I get three repeats? Yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. Like doctor shopping, all that sort of shit. Yeah. And um, wow. So yeah, I think that probably extended a lot of my my um, my drinking because not only could I, you know, drink for as long as I wanted to drink, I then kind of had a way to almost like taper myself off that. Yeah. So that would kind of bypass me from probably ending up in places yeah. that may have been yeah, like you know, fuck a hangover. Boom, yeah, like where I might have ended up in like a medical detox or a yeah, you know, back at rehab or something like that. Yeah, you just. I was just one off a bender with like, more, yeah, exactly. more drugs, <laughs> like drugs, booze, drugs, wow. booze, meds, <laughs> and so played that game of fucking Russian roulette with myself for years. Wow. <clears throat> um, so that yeah, that's a gnarly cocktail to really <laughs> like to really wind someone up and create a lot more trauma within their system for someone that is willing to take advice and willing to take the next step to learn for themselves what is something that that you teach or what do you think is the core principles that you teach in your programs to to really help people connect with themselves and i guess take the next steps in their lives yeah dope um the core principles of what i sort of teach and preach i guess um underneath you know, this is what it is. It's not like really what I would sell on, but that's what they get. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, I call it sort of, I guess, two sides of the coin. Um, one side would be the, the trauma work, the understanding. Um, you know, Gable Mate, you know, people listening might know Gable Mate is massive inspiration of mine. So I'd call that the sort of like, I call it the Gable Mate side of the coin. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, understanding that this comes from a much deeper rooted place. This comes from the hurt, from the pain, from the things that have been just these, un, let's just call it like stored stress, unprocessed emotions, feelings gone unfelt. It could be such minor many, things many as well, years. right? Like it could be Tiny your things. your mother t looking away at a certain time when you wanted her validation. It can be as like your mum not holding your gaze when she's breastfeeding you. Yeah. Like not looking in the eyes and you feel like you take that as rejection. Mm. <laughs> it can be the most subtle of yeah, things. Yeah, tiny things. <laughs> like, you know, you're like excited for dad to come home from work and... Um, you want to play ball with him or something and he's had a shit day so he storms in and kind of pushes you to the side and 
sits in front of the TV and cracks a beer because he's had a shit day. Yeah. And again, you like you can't differentiate what's his and what's yours. So you take that so as... So you make that mean something about yourself. Generally along the lines moment. of that, they There's don't love you. some form of, yeah, like um, I'm not enough. I'm not loved just as I am. Yeah. It's not safe to be me. It's not safe in general. Yeah. You know, like insert cool wounds there. So yeah. it's like that trauma side of the coin is like, let's explore these wounds. Let's explore where the stuff comes from, manifests from. Let's heal it at its root. Mm. not try to just treat and tend to the symptom um so that would be like the, the one side of the like core ethos and principles mm. of where i sort of teach and preach from and the other flip of that is i just call it connection and then i break that down into three pillars connection to self first and foremost mm. and that's some of the work that i love doing the most it's just mm. like helping people learn how to relate to themselves like for so many of us particularly people that have walked the journey that i have the internal voice and the internal narrative is so deeply fucking critical it's like we've got this fucking bully literally like living inside our fucking head 24 7 <laughs> it's just telling us we're a piece of shit and we believe it so deeply mm -hmm. like it's just so constant <clears throat> and um yeah i mean i've worked with hundreds you know, maybe thousands of people all around the world and it's the same it's always the same story mm. that inner voice that inner critic is so loud so dominant so domineering yeah. so it's like learning how to re-engage with ourselves re-relate to ourselves treat ourselves with love treat ourselves with compassion treat ourselves with understanding um, be kinder to ourselves like I remember one of my first mentors looked at me one day and he's like Drew you need to start being kinder to yourself it went straight over my fucking head it was, he might as well have been talking fucking Japanese to me. I was like, what? What do you even mean? Like, how does that serve me? How does that get me anywhere? So my driver had been like to bully myself into yeah. doing things, basically. You little bitch, why are yeah, you like fucking you doing this? Shit. Fucking, like, why fucking, like, you man? suck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. <clears throat> and it's like, wow, wow, how destructive is that? Mm. And so it's like, yeah, connection to self. Like, just totally like learning how to really reinvent the relationship you have with you darling treating yourself like a best friend it's like you know if you could take that voice out and put it next to you on a fucking couch how much time would you want to spend with that dude like not a lot <laughs> not much you know and so yeah like really really helping people to yeah i mean it sounds a bit cheesy but love themselves mm. um relationship so a connection to self, connection to whatever you want to call, you know, it's different for everybody, but, you know, it can be as simple as your higher self. Mm. You know, as much as we've got that voice that tells us we're a piece of shit, we've also got this guiding light, this guiding voice, this guiding narrative inside of ourselves that, you know, some people call their higher self or their future self that is also like leading us to the next right thing. It's, it's the voice that fucking knows what's up. Mm. It's the voice that's always giving us what we need, not necessarily what we want. You know, some people call that intuition. Some people call it higher self. Some people call it the fucking universe. Some people mm. call it fucking God. Whatever you want to call it, I don't give a fuck. Mm. Just build a relationship with it. Mm. <laughs> you know, if you can connect to that part of you, that's when the game starts to change. Mm. And that's something that I think are probably underrated and undersold sold on my journey is i've always had such a fucking deep-seated trust and faith in whatever that part of me was mm. like fucking deep-seated trust and faith to back yourself just a knowing yeah that like that that is my path it's like my truth mm. and to follow that and when i followed that it's always led me to like the next evolution and elevation of my life and so, yeah, learning how to, to be in relationship with that part of ourselves is mm -hmm. huge. It, it literally is probably some of the most powerful work I do with a lot of my clients. Yeah. It's connecting them to that knowing, mm. that, that internal guidance system. Um, so that's the second pillar of connection. And the third is, is I just call is, is um, um, yeah, like, like social connection. Mm. Um, community, tribe, people, jaunty, mm. <laughs> you, you know, humans that get it, surrounding ourselves with others that um, 
again, it's been, you mentioned it at the very start, like it's something you've seen in me is consistently surrounding myself in people that play either a similar game to me or a way fucking bigger game than me. And I've done that for the last, well, that's what brought me to the Gold Coast. Mm. I was doing a lot of personal development over here, healing, growth, whatever you want to call it. Um, I was flying back and forward and I was just, kept meeting all these fucking phenomenal people doing cool shit. And I was just like, like stuff I didn't even know was possible. Like it just wasn't even stuff I'd been introduced to. It wasn't even my realm of consciousness. It's like I didn't even know that it was something you could do or be or create or like, Mm. um, yeah, it was just like so enlightening and welcoming and safe. It was like, holy shit, like these are people that for the first time, because obviously like I've said to you, my emo, right, was like the chameleon mask, the... Mm. Fit in oh, just no matter what it, like space I was in, I was always like I'd hold back and I would kick back for maybe you know however long I felt I needed to kick back for to figure out who I needed to be in the space in order for everyone to like and love me mm. or approve of me. Just consistently morphing, shifting, changing. The most inauthentic human in the world <laughs> you could possibly imagine. I'm just trying to figure out who you want me to be yeah so that i can morph into that so that you walk away yeah, going oh you love dude, me you see he's a fucking cool guy my fucking does put on a fucking mask mate yeah, <laughs> I've, been, I've been in that position absolutely magician. <laughs> yeah and um yeah so i guess it was one of the first times as well like i felt like i could just take these masks off i was like oh i can just be me and again, that was a practice in itself. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just started to surround myself. I moved. I literally moved. I came over here for one workshop on the bridge. You've been mm. to it. Yeah. And um, yeah, it fucking changed the game. Shout out to Preston Spiles and Alexi Panos. I, um, yeah, I kept seeing at the time, I was, this was um, before I was doing what I do now. I was working for a network marketing company, had a really successful network marketing business. Um, and you know, one of the most, I fucking honor them, my time in that so deeply, I was still fucking deep in my addiction, but when I was on, I was on, like I, I created a fucking successful business. Yeah. When I was on, I was on, when I wasn't, I was out the fucking gate and, um, (laughs) but when I was on, like I did in my time, I built this really successful online network marketing business and, um, it gave me a taste of everything I'd ever wanted. It gave me a taste of running my own company running my own business Mm. it gave me a taste of learning how to run business online it taught me how to show up online Mm. it taught me um uh i guess how to support people how to you know there was an essence an element of coaching in that um it, it taught me so many different fucking skills but a huge pillar of this company that i worked for um was was personal development was just growth and um, so yeah, that gave me community as well. It gave me an amazing community and people doing things differently. Um, yeah, two things, I guess, uh, something I skipped over was my dad died at, I was 26. And two gifts that he gave me was, one unconscious gift was, you know, I never really saw him like fucking look after himself. Mm. He wasn't unhealthy, <clears throat> but I never saw him like he didn't go to the gym right. he didn't exercise he didn't really like look Nothing. after his body he didn't move his body put it that way yeah um, and so it was like fuck your health your wealth like if you don't have health you're fuck all and um, the second gift he gave me like some of the conversations we had before he died was like I think he wished he did things a bit differently he was very successful at what he mm. did fucking he was the top of his game of what he did but um, you know it was high stress and I think he wished he had, a, you know, a bit more time to do the things he fucking loved and enjoyed. He didn't even make it to retirement. You know, he died at 63. Mm. And so it was like this, this like, fuck your, like, life's here to live. Like, do what fucking makes mm. you happy. And so, yeah, anyway, we ended up in this, in this business, in this company, and started surrounding myself with all these amazing people. And, and through this, this company, I saw a lot of people going to this workshop and I saw them come out and just like their entire trajectory just fucking change. Just like, yeah, just skyrocket. And they started 
doing all like just creating amazing things I'm like what the fuck's going on in that room <laughs> I want some I of that I want that. some of what they're on and so sure enough I um this is I always laugh about this actually I committed insurance fraud just to get myself in that room I was I was sober I was only maybe like a year sober so my conscience wasn't fully at the yeah, level yeah, it is yeah. now. <laughs> I didn't really give a fuck. I was, in my mind, like, I'd done this most of my life. I was just fucking over a system. Yeah, yeah. Like, fucked over plenty whatever, of other people. Yeah. Like, I'd never stolen or robbed, like, individuals. Yeah. But I was real good at, like, white-collar yeah. fucking, like, fraud. Just little scams. Scams, yeah. fraud, yeah. basically. It was, like, my, my shit. And so, yeah, I was like, fuck, how do I get there? I was like, oh, fucking, I'll just pretend my car's fucking got stolen. So it's parked my car. It was already fucked. I needed it, like, I, and I couldn't claim insurance on it. So I stashed it on this dude's farm that I was working for at the time. And, um, and yeah, claimed insurance on it. Said it was stolen. Got a payout. And in my mind, I was doing the right thing because I didn't use that money to, like, go and get fucked up. I used it to, like, invest into <laughs> me. <laughs> You're like... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, invested all back into me, wow. and um, and yeah, brought these these tickets to come over to Aussie, come to this workshop, and um, yeah, that was where things started to fall into place for me. I mentioned before this whole disease-based model of addiction didn't resonate, and um, I stood in this room, and one of the first practices we did, um, I won't go into details of the practice, but it just cracked me, cracked yeah. me right open. I just started bawling. Um, basically, it just um, it gave me the opportunity to start to grieve the grieving process of losing my dad. Mm. Never really truly, like I, I cried and I grieved, and I, but I shoved a lot down. Yeah, I didn't like fully let myself go into the depths of that, that that I needed to. And through this practice, I just just popped me and I was just bawling my fucking eyes out. And you know, pay the facilitators like, bro, what's going on? And it's like, bro, this is like, a, this is all the shit. This is, like, I don't know. This, I've either said, I've always said, I've either really felt my like, I've, I'm either really okay with my dad dying, or I've never had the opportunity to feel it. Mm. I had the conscious awareness of that. Yeah. Had never had the opportunity, or been in the right space, to or been process. held by the right person or people, to allow me to actually like let that out. Mm. So, whew, sure enough, it all started fucking pouring out. And then that was everything was yeah, coming out there. So everything was coming. There was fucking anger towards that. There was like fucking like fuck you for fucking leaving me. I'm like, oh shit, like okay. But on the other side of feeling these feelings, I felt peace. Mm. I felt calm. I felt happy. I felt fucking intent. I was like, I felt comfortable, more mm. comfortable. And this is where everything started falling into place. I'm like, holy fuck, this has got absolutely nothing to do with fucking all this bullshit of someone saying this is a fucking disease. Mm. This is this inability to feel and process my emotions. Yeah. And it's just, this is where all the light bulbs started going off. I'm like, okay, so that's where I started following this, this pathway of sort of the somatic approach to healing. Feeling emotions. Actually just feeling our fucking feelings mm. and actually letting the stuff come out and out. And wow. learning how to do that, and learning how to create the safety for other people to to do that. Um, wow. So yeah, I, I, I got I digress. I was talking about surrounding yourself with the right people, but yeah. Well, you, did, <laughs> um, you found the right people was, to, yeah. to teach you. So that you. was the third pillar, I guess. On your question is what I was saying is is yeah, surrounding yourself with with the right people, humans doing share that share similar values that you now want to share, mm. or values that you want to lead your life by. And um, just just people having different conversations, yeah. like that fucking changes the change game. Like your I conversations just to change your life. Hundred percent. Consistently surrounding myself with humans, actually playing at that point in my life a way bigger game than me, and I had no choice but to like continue to raise my bar, yeah, and elevate and yeah. come up to that level. Wow. And fucking yeah, this is sort of what you see now. <laughs> Boom. Wow. Well, on that note. <laughs> 
just want to say thank you for sharing your story and yeah, yeah the people that we surround ourselves are our biggest influence, right? So, 100%. yeah. It's the oldest quote in the fucking like personal development yeah. playbook, I think. It's Jim Rohn. Like, yeah. Yeah, you you're become, the, you're the result of the five people <laughs> yeah. you spend the most time with. Exactly dun, dun, dun. And it's so fucking true. Yeah. Like, you know, if you fucking, you know, Gary V says it all the fucking time, like if you're hanging out with fucking losers, you can become a fucking loser. Like he's pretty ruthless with how he delivers yeah. the shit. Yeah. But it's true. Like if you're hanging out with fucking degenerates, you can become a fucking degenerate. Mm. You're hanging out with people that are fucking, you know, learning about themselves, having conversations about themselves, about business, about entrepreneurship, about what it means to just be a fucking human being. They're vulnerable. They're talking about their struggles. They're not just trying to share the wins. Mm. You know, they're talking about the fucking shit Ew. they're trudging through. Like, that's where you fucking learn. That's where you grow, that's where you expand, so. Wow, beautiful. Thank you, Mr. Drew Wild. Thank and for the listeners, uh, where would they be best to find you? Uh, stalk me down on the gram at Drew underscore wild. Yeah. Um, or our website for Lion in the Sand is Lits. L-I-T-S litsrecovery.com Boom. Go and stalk out our website as well. There's heaps of free content on there. There's heaps of free content on my Instagram. Our website's got, yeah, free masterclasses. If you go through the blogs, there's heaps of incredible articles and Mm. recordings you can soak up on my Instagram. If you go through to my, uh, the link in my bio, I've got a free Facebook group which is loaded with heaps of free content. Um, I mean just my Instagram alone has got heaps of free content as well obviously so that's the best spot wow any final words final words of wisdom just um, give less fucks learn how to give less fucks learn Learn how how to to just be the most raw and real version of yourself I think that's the result of this work that I've done on me is like I've just flipped the script I've gone from giving so many fucks like my life was ruled by the amount of fucks I gave yeah like how many I cared so deeply about what other people thought of me and that came from my wounding mm. to someone who I'm like, I'm just me. I'm nothing but me. Mm. I'm just like the rawest, most real, authentic version of fucking me. And I'm doing what I want to do. I'm doing what I want to do and I'm speaking what I want to speak. I'm saying what I want to say and I'm living my life how I want to live my life. Wow. And that's the magic, man. And it comes from, yeah, giving... Oh less fucks ultimately like just being detached yeah <laughs> mm. letting go it's a yeah. fine art yeah boy said if i could package that it'd be a trillionaire yeah <laughs> how to let go wow. how the art of letting go beautiful <laughs> thank you brother is it thank you Ew. cheer dog Ew. me boom that's fun